of influence. Isaiah 43 and 1, I will read out of the New King James Version before we pray. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you and summoned you by name. Someone say by name. You are mine, says the Lord. I love that our worship leader led a song so appropriate to this verse. When you pass through the water, says the Lord, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not. Someone say they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, for I am the Lord your God. Can one person make a difference? The power of influence. Philippians 1 and 6 says out of the Message Bible, a paraphrase, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind, said Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the God who started this great work in you, someone say great work, in me, would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. One more read before we pray. Ecclesiastes 9, a verse I did not know even existed, even though I've read the Bible through many years. There was a small town with only a few people living in it. And a great king came with his army and besieged it. But there was a poor, wise man that lived in that town who knew how to save the town. And so the town was rescued for the quiet Ways of a wise person is better than the shouts of a king. Influence is powerful. I want you to say, I have influence. Now say it like you mean it. I have influence. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room. We thank you for those gathered at Church of the Harvest. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for those listening by podcast. We pray that you would speak into the ears of your children that which you want to be said. Even what I do not say, say, come Holy Spirit, communicate in the only way that can be powerful, and that is through your words and your anointing upon the words of Jesus. Come and let no one leave the way they came in, but let them leave changed. For anyone listening in this room or by podcast, help them to rope in those wandering thoughts and focus on the word. Nothing else will change us but the word. So we expect to be changed. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. The power of influence. While we as humans try to partner with the brightest and most powerful, the gold standard of someone, there's a short list for most of us who would keep our children. In fact, there was only two people that ever let keep my female chihuahua. Jasmine, who has now gone on to be heaven, but that's basically because Jasmine could be very mean. But there is a short list of people we want to put what we love into the hands of, our children, our treasures, etc. God is so different for us, though. When God looks to partner with people, he simply is looking for people who are willing to take him at his word, those that are confident with him in the equation that everything, I want you to say everything, Say, everything is possible. So you're God and you have a redemptive plan, a deliverance plan, and you're looking for the brightest, the greatest. But what you do is you choose 
the people you created. Isaiah 44 and 2. I am your creator, says the Lord. You were in my care even before you were born. Let me tell you this morning, you might as well go ahead and prophesy to your future. You've been using all of your effort to rehearse your past. You've been using your effort to rehearse your struggle. And I'm going to tell you something. Complaining gives strength to the struggle. Prayer and speaking the word gives strength to you. Which will you choose? Someone say, I'm going to choose to speak positive. Come on. I'm going to choose. You may be today, before we get into influence, feel like David. You feel stuck out in the hillside tending the sheep while the action is taking place in another part of the world. Guess what? God can call for you, and in 24 hours, after a long process, you'll find your place. You may feel like Moses, stuck on the backside of a desert, taking care of the flocks for a father-in-law. But in 24 hours, after a long process, God can have you standing in the court of one of the greatest leaders of your day. You may feel like the starving widow in the Old Testament, stuck with the responsibilities of a child. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from. But you have to focus on your faith because God has an open door for every man and woman in this room to let the famine of poverty be closed and let the open door of prosperity come. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. Come on. You may feel like the lame man at the, lame man at the gate beautiful and you feel like God's attention is on everyone else but you. But guess what? Today, the Father that we serve says to you, you are not out of range. You are not forgotten by God. Your circumstances are perfect for a miracle. Joseph could have easily said, as some of you are saying, I'm in a prison. How in the world will I ever reach the palace with this stain on my reputation? But guess what? 24 hours later, Joseph was the prime minister. God can get you anywhere God wants you to be because that's who God is. Can you say amen? Deuteronomy 31 and 16 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He's the one who will never, someone say never. The better you preach with me, the faster we'll go. Someone say never. Never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord shall preserve your going out and coming in forevermore, even to your old age. Hallelujah. I am he even to your gray hairs. I will carry you, says the Lord. I will never leave you, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But the Lord says, my love and my kindness shall never depart, for this is my covenant with you. Somebody give God a big clap of praise this morning. Can one person make a difference? Well, we could go back through history since we've just given a little bit of accolades to God. And we could look how one person made such a terrible difference in this world. We could look at a blue-eyed, frenzied man in Europe who was crazy in the 1930s. This man began to try to overtake and control the entire continent of Europe. He began to hatred for the Jews, and you would think that one could never influence others. And my parents told me, they asked their parents, because my parents were born in the 30s, what in the world was going on? Why didn't someone step up to the plate when the Jews by the millions were being murdered, and the Catholics, and anyone that loved the Jews, and anyone that went against Hitler? And uh, my grandparents told my parents we didn't have the news. We didn't know. It seemed to be a fable. It seemed to be fake. It seemed not to be true. And so we didn't know 
which the statement is true, influence is so important because evil prevails when good men do nothing. Someone say amen. But on the other side of the continent, one of my favorite stories, which I've left out about 20 on the floor of my office, but there was a man with his hands on the globe of the world. As Adolf Hitler was moving across Europe, annihilating millions of people who had purpose and destiny, people who were called by God to do great works, a Catholic priest sat at a pigeonhole desk with his hands on a globe, and every morning he prayed as Adolf moved across Europe. He prayed and he prayed for Europe, and he prayed that Jesus' love, that greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends, would come true. All of a sudden, Father Maximian Colby found out that his name was on the list of Gestapo because he didn't just pray. He began to act. He saved to two to 3,000 Jews by hiding them and feeding them. He found out his name was on the Gestapo list. They said, get out of the country. Get out now before they get you. And he said, I will not leave my station. I will not be moved off of the place that the God of my fathers has given me. And so he heard that day that the Gestapo pulled up with their big trucks and the soldiers marched up and grabbed him like a thief and dragged him out. And his only, his only crime was doing what the word of God says and protecting the people that God loves. He was sentenced to one prison camp, which was Plaskal, which wasn't that horrible. But then he was moved to Auschwitz. By this time, Auschwitz was a well-oiled killing machine. They were burning people by the thousands. The smoke and the incinerator. My parents have visited the remains of Auschwitz many years ago when they went to Germany. And even now when they speak of it, when my dad speaks of it, my mother, of course, can't remember anymore. He weeps when he thinks about standing on the charred ruins in that ground where such murderous things were happening. But Father Maximin Colby was known for his great love. And he would share his last bread with anybody. He would share his last drink. They said in the bunker that the Jews who did not even believe in the Messiah that Father Colby believed in would stop by his bed, but he was never in his bed. He was moving from bunk to bunk. You see, a servant, if your influence is going to work, you've got to stop doing things to see what you get out of them. You've got to serve to see what you can give. There is nothing in the kingdom that if you approach, well, I don't get anything out of that. I'm not getting anything out of that. You know, we are of a century and a society that's been affected by social media. We've been affected by microwaving, by everything in seconds. So if the process takes a little longer, if what God is doing is more eternal in the hearts of people, then we realize we just check out because this is doing nothing for me. I'm going to tell you someday we will stand before the king of glory and he will say to us, that have served because I've been guilty often of doing things to see what I could get out of or when it's done to step away or when I get bored or when I just say I get nothing out of this to say I'm not going to obey the great commission but I have a person called the Holy Spirit you do too and he will consistently circle you and say for the cause of Christ you give for the son of man came not to be served but he came to serve the most powerful person in this room today it's not Chris Vernon who was just honored by Delta with a red velvet cake for his billion dollar of miles, billion not dollar, but miles and miles. It's a big deal. But he's still not the most powerful person in the room. And I could name other names. The most powerful person in the room is the one that says, I'm going to give my life for the cause of Christ. I'm not going to look for what I can get out of it or other feels that I get. Persistence is said to committed to something long after you said you would do it when the feels have left you. Can I get
get an amen. Oh, that's a tweetable quote, I'm telling you. Persistence is staying committed to something you said you'd be a part of or you would do long after the goosebumps have been gone. I'm telling you, I've been at this for a long time and goosebumps come once in every 20 years. But the faithfulness of the Lord remains every day. The passion of the commitment of Jesus. Someone give him a hand clap of praise. I wonder if Christ, I'll get back to Colby. I wonder if Christ had said that on the way to Calvary. I'm just really not getting anything out of this. <laughs> I mean, I know it's God's will, but this is a lot of hell to go through for people I haven't even met. But the Bible says for the joy that was set before him. A lot of things, Josh, I do in the kingdom. I won't know the joy till I get to the other side. A lot of commitments that you make and decisions, you will not see the results till you get to the other side. And Father Colby was going bed to bed. He was ministering. People that weren't even Catholics were giving their last confessions. He was a man. Even the soldiers that give this account of Father Colby say they had never seen such a servant of love. But he knew his place. And one day a man escaped from Auschwitz and the decree was always if one man escaped, ten men would die in the starvation bunker. They stood out in the heat. They stood out in the sun. Hours as the Gestapo and the rulers over the camp began to, to just randomly pick the men. The tenth man's name was called. When he called, he didn't cry for himself. He didn't whine for himself like others had. When he got called, he began to say, Oh God, please no. My wife and my children, they're in other parts of this camp. Oh God, please, for the sake of my children, my sake of my wife. At that moment, Father Colby broke ranks and he moved up to the commandant. And he said, I want to take the place of this man in the starvation bunker. That had never happened. And according to the records, it never happened again. Father Colby went down into the starvation bunker and the gentleman that gave the last rites, because the other nine died, but Father Colby was still breathing when they went down there. In the starvation bunker, men didn't even sound like men anymore. They were clawing. They had to drink their own urine to even survive. And then when that was gone, there was nothing. They would be like animals. They would begin to war with each other. But they said for the first time in in the starvation bunker they could hear the sounds of low singing the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want and they began to sing Hebraic songs why because there was a shepherd called father Maximin Colby sitting among his people you and I will never affect this generation if we don't realize we are not to be in anything we do for Jesus for what we can get out of it because a shepherd led nine people through the valley of the the shadow of a death and they died in dignity not in horror let me tell you this morning he used his influence and you and I have got to use our influence and stop waiting to see how this will feel good and this will feel great and this will just be awesome or we say greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for the Lord somebody give Jesus praise I'll try to calm down come on give Jesus praise can one make, man make a difference? They can. And a group of people can make a difference. This church has influence. That's my first point. This church has influence. In Israel, the tribes were camped. And I was just finished the book of Leviticus, which is not for the faint of mind. In fact, I was so thrilled I was done with Leviticus. I was like, oh, thank you, God. Get me into numbers. When we were done with Leviticus, but it's got so many truths in it, just got to dig deep. 
But the standard was that the place where they worshipped was in the center. Someone say the center. The center of Israel. The church, the body of Christ all over the world has influence. And each local church has influence. Today I'm speaking about our church. Acts 26 and 19 says that Paul was obedient to the heavenly vision. Someone say heavenly vision. There's a heavenly vision that we have to come in line with for this church's influence to keep going and going even to greater ways. I won't recount the way this church started, but it did start at a direct command from the Lord to reach the spotted and the speckled. You'll have to read the book of Genesis to understand it, but it means those who are hurting, those who are poor, those who are broken, those who've gone through shame. It was this way, um, however long we are now, 26 and whatever years ago, when it started. And it's like Jesus blew a whistle, and they all came from different parts. He drew them in. And as long as we've been consistent to that heavenly vision and the things we've done, God has continued to do things in this local church. It's just like Nathaniel said to Philip, when Philip said, I want you to come meet Jesus and, and Philip said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Or Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip answered, come and see. And let me paraphrase this about this local church. The alcoholics are now dry. Can you say amen? The embittered are now joyful. The shamed now forgiven. Marriages rebuilt. Orphans embraced. Imprisoned inspired. Come and see the works that Jesus has done. This church has a stone of sacrifice and we have thrown it often at the Goliaths, the Goliaths of poverty, the Goliaths of hurt against people, the Goliaths of shame, the Goliaths of sin. We've done it through, I can't even, it's not the time to do like the history of the church here today, but if I went back beginning of time, you'd be shocked how many things we've done, but you know about things such as Queen for Day. We've done things for men. We've done things in prison. We've done things for the homeless. It just goes on and on. But we've used our stone of sacrifice to bring dignity and restore hope. In the beginning of the church, um, as all those people would come, someone that came that's used her influence greater in a great way um, came when before we were even a church. She actually wrote a letter to evangelist Hank Davis and poured out her heart and all she wanted Christ to do in her life and things she wanted changed and how she wanted to change. And it was a very heart-wrenching letter. And it, it, it grabbed Pastor Hank's heart, evangelist Hank Davis at that time. He was moved, and she and some other people came to talk to us, and then she started visiting our services. And then as we began to pastor, um, we used to do this thing called Healing for Damaged Emotions, which is really just like one form of CR. When we first got into CR, we thought, oh, my goodness, it's like Healing for Damaged Emotions. And um, this person was in my group. And every week, this person had some goals as the Lord was healing her heart. And they were that she wanted to get braces. They were that she wanted to um, own her own house. It, they were that she wanted to get her degree and graduate and be a teacher. Well, that woman, through the process of trusting Jesus, and in the midst of doing this, part of our fruit, part of what Christ did, is a teacher today. And Channel 12 featured her with the Golden Apple Award. We're going to bring it up on the screen now. Debbie Kidd is in the house. There's her name. Give her a hand. She was featured, we'll keep that for a second, she was featured on Channel 12, and this is the Golden Apple Award, and then there's, I think there's a finale in May, and this is something that parents um, vote on, and I've got it videotaped on my TV, maybe we'll show it to you sometime, but then here's her picture, right here, see, there you go, Debbie Kidd, second grade teacher, come on, give her a hand like it was you, 
Come on. You see, influence has happened as a result of this church and Debbie doing what God called her to do. But it was a process. You are not going to arrive, Miranda, at influence overnight. It's going to take some time. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's going to take some time. I want to tell you why I stay committed to the vision of this church. Not just because I'm the co-pastor. That's a good reason. Um, But the, the second reason is because of Christ's vision for people. But if I thought there were... 50 more Debbie kids, I'll keep doing what Jesus is doing because I'm not telling her story. That's her story to tell another time. But everything Jesus brought her through and the Red Sea he parted for her and the healing he did in her heart and in her mind to see her successful and not just because she's featured on TV, but just to see her successful tells me I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it gives praise to Jesus. If there are a hundred more Josh Castleberries, I'll keep doing it. If there was just one more, you see um, Leah and Jackie and Misty, would you stand where you are? You see on Wednesday night, we do some Something called Celebrate Recovery. And it is about teaching people the Word of God and finding freedom in Jesus Christ. Along with that is transferring your hurts, habits, and hang-up, which everyone has. There's not a person in this room who does not have those. For the works of Jesus. When I listen to these three talk, I just think... If there was just one more Jackie Castleberry, I'll stay committed to women of hope. I wouldn't have dreamed the first day I met her that God was going to do in her life what he's done in her life. I had great hopes for her. This is no accolades for me or this house, but to Jesus. Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Leah, if there was just one more Leah somewhere that me teaching the works of Jesus and this church bringing people up and raising them up to be in leadership when everybody else thought they could never be leaders, I would continue to do the works of Jesus. This is the regard or this is the result of influence right here. People influence them. And on the Esther Project, keep standing girls one more second, Pastor David said in a moment publicly what he has said to me time and time again. He says, Pastor Rhonda, on phone calls, because we're friends, sometimes he needs to, you know, just let some things go, and I'm a good ear. But you know what he'll say? If it wasn't for Misty, if it wasn't for Jackie and Leah and Nicole, if I couldn't see them, if I couldn't see that it has really worked, I'd be done today. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus allows us to see that influence works? If there was more like them, would you continue to want to give the grace of Jesus and the cross of Christ that not only forgives people but raises them up to be great leaders? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can be seated, girls. Amen and amen, but often we just want to stay in the glory. And often, it's like John Chris says, we put on social media the great verse that um, John the Baptist said about Jesus. He must become greater, I must become less. But then we go back to social media to see how many likes we got. Come on, somebody. Some of you will get that. You see, here's the deal is we are kind of like the disciples when Jesus took them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. It was so awesome, and this is so glorious. And there's a prophetic side of me that could just stay in a cave. I'll be honest with you. I love the deep things of God. I love prayer time. The happy, in fact, Pastor Hank, if I build you another room, I'm about their house, I'm going to build you four rooms of desk because it takes you four rooms. And I just love desks with papers, and, and, and it doesn't make me holy. In fact, it's probably because I'm not holy that I, I seek because I'm just, I love this word. I love what it does. But sometimes 
we as a people of God can lose our influence because, you know, in the Old Testament, when that one priest went into the holy place once a year, they put a rope around his ankle. One of the reasons they put a rope is if he fell dead, they could drag his dead carcass out because he went in with strange fire. But the second reason I heard when I was younger and I thought it was wonderful, and that is because you just get so caught up in the glory, people outside are like, bring it back, bring it back. Bring it back. And so they pull the priest back out to say, if you just receive something from the Lord, give it to us. You know that meme on social media? Would you take a million dollars if you had to live in this cabin with no internet? Everybody seeing that, you know? And, and everybody, yes, yes, that's me. I say, you bunch of liars. You would not live out in the cabin because you're on social media liking this right now. I just will live out in the cabin. If I could just be away from everybody, you will never have influence if you pull yourself away from people. The only way you can have influence is to be among the people, is to worship with the people, is to live with the people, is to stay there. Because sometimes we just forget what God has called us to, and that is people. Someone say people. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't go live in that cabin. You can't do it. You can't go live in that cabin. It says of David, Acts 13 and 36, he served the purposes of God in his lifetime. That is the goal. What, how are you using your influence? So the church has influence. The second point, know who you are. If you're going to use your influence, you've got to know who you are. And you've got to know who you are not. If you're constantly getting in other people's jobs, or you're constantly trying to be someone else, your influence is zero. I mean, it'd be wonderful. You know, everyone's not going to see your potential. Um, and throw you like, I was thinking about this, you know, this is the great day of, and I love the gender reveal party, so I'm not against them. I think they're awesome, wonderful. In our days, you found out, sometimes you found out, sometimes you gave birth, that's when you found out, because we didn't have that technology. And um, you found out, and you went, had to go home to your landline, and you called your mother, and you told her, that was days when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And then you called your Aunt Betty, and then you called your cousin Bob, and you didn't have to worry, like, don't tell anybody to be put on social media, don't tell anybody, because there was no social media. Um, it was a lot of fun times to live, but I love social media, and I love everything that we can do with it. But here's the deal. People may not throw you a potential reveal party and pop the balloon, and shout out to the world, I see in Elizabeth all these great things. I see in Misty all these great things. You've got to know who you are. You've got to believe what the Word says about you. Can I get an amen? And know who you are not. Listen, they came to John the Baptist, and they said, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Huh. Are you a prophet? He said, I am not. You just wonder what the third thing was going to be. Are you this? Are you that? Are you this? Are you that? He said, I'm not. And then they said, then who in the heck are you? He said, I am a voice. I am a voice of him crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John knew who he was, and he knew who he was not. The, the greatest thing is to know when to step up and then when to step back. The greatest thing to know is you cannot do everybody's role. Stop wanting to be all them. Make room for other people to use their influence. Because when you know who you are, you can identify other people's gifts. 
When you know who you are, you can call out people. You can encourage them. You know that giving them a piece of the teamwork is going to make the dream work. But you know that giving them a piece of the teamwork is going to make the vision of Christ greater and influence. You're not jealous when you know who you are. You don't worry about somebody else. You're not intimidated because you're going to wrestle with questions. Just think about Nehemiah, how he used his influence, the cupbearer to a heathen king. Story for another time. But they said to him and the people of God, when they were using their influence to rebuild, which is just what our church does, rebuilds lives. What are you feeble Jews doing? Are you going to restore this yourself? You're going to finish this in a day? You're going to revive char stones from a dusty rubble? Meaning you're going to take ashes from people's pain and try to build a ministry? Oh, yes, we are indeed. You're going to take ashes? The enemy said, even if you rebuild that thing, a fox is going to run across the wall and knock it down, meaning the work will not be done. But I love that Nehemiah knew his influence. He knew who he was, and he knew who he was not. And he said they were trying to discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater. Someone say even greater. Even greater determination. What you've got to do when the enemy comes the voice to tell you it wouldn't speak to you if it didn't think you were somewhat of influence it wouldn't try to discourage you if it did not see the potential on you you see the enemy doesn't know everything that God's going to do through you he's not fighting you or where you came from Christy he's fighting you and when you're trying to go he's not fighting you over yesterday he's trying to keep you from going into tomorrow and what Nehemiah's enemy saw was that God was rebuilding his people and God was rebuilding the city and so Nehemiah continued with even greater determination. So when those lies, those distractions, those doubt and fear come against you, you must say also what Nehemiah said. If you want your influence to work, I am doing a great work. Let's try it together as a choir. Ready? I am doing a great work. Do it one more time. I am doing a great work. That's what you have to say over yourself that you know, like the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, none of these things move me. You don't move me. Your thoughts don't move me. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying what Paul said. I hope this will come to be true of me. What you whispering about my life, it does not move me. What you're saying is not working does not move me. I've had people tell me, God's not called you to that. Why are you doing that? God's not called you to this. Why are you doing that? It does not move me, Paul says. Because I use my influence for doing the work he has assigned me to do. To tell others about the grace and the kindness of the Lord. In the same space that you're doing things for Jesus and using your influence. In that same space. Like Jairus when his daughter was dead. And the disciples said, told, don't bother the master. Don't bother him. In the same space they were saying, don't bother Jesus. Jesus was saying, it is possible, it is possible, it is possible. You and I, to use our influence, we've got to do what Jesus did and ignore the voices of those that say, don't bother with this because you're not making a difference. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. I remember um, in the early days of e evangelism, um, I pastor would preach, and basically I just tried to um, hold my own he was an evangelist, and if he would preach at a high school, a thousand kids would push him up against the wall to try to ask him about rock and roll, and he had a sermon on hell, a divine revelation on hell. How hot is hell? Hundreds would get saved, but when it was done, 
I remember one time being on the other side of a high school auditorium and their backs were up against me. I was just trying to keep breathing while a thousand kids were pressing him just to talk to him, just to get near him. I remember selling his tapes. I remember doing all of this. I remember at times thinking, this is where God has called me and I'll do it for my best and I'll do it to your glory, Jesus. I mean, it was a death of me in many ways. We'd be sitting at tables uh, with pastors and other no notorious, notorious, people of notoriety, yeah. And we'd be sitting with them and uh, there'd be a question I'd go to answer and they'd all just, this is serious, I'm not kidding. They'd all look away from me and look at him like, I don't know who you are, idiot, but I want to hear what he has to say. Because he had a platform. They didn't hate me. I didn't have the platform he had. But I'm going to tell you, that was a great death for me. Because in those days, I carved out that God had a purpose for my influence. Maybe I didn't know it yet. Maybe I didn't see it yet. Maybe I didn't understand it. But if I would just be faithful, and if that's where I stayed the rest of my life, selling Evangelist Hank Davis's tapes. And one time, Keith Dudley, y'all, most of y'all don't know Keith, and that's so sad. He writes with Carrie Underwood. He's a recording artist. He's awesome. He's like our brother. Death's alive forever. But anyway, we, we, we just love him. I mean, it, it's, we've, just, we've lived with him. We've traveled the world with him. But he was going to travel with us. And listen up and hang with me. I'm going to take a little bit more time to finish this. Um, but he said, hey, he said, um, you know, when I travel with y'all to California, I want to ask you about something. And in my mind, Leah, I thought, you know, Keith, I thought he wants me to sing a duet with him. He has heard. He has heard. Rare is the chance that I can use my singing voice, but somehow he has heard. I began to think what songs. I mean, you know how your mind goes. Don't you even act like you hadn't done the same thing. My mind went thinking through the songs we might sing together. How would I stand? Would we look at each other because we weren't married to each other? Would I look face? You know, would we be awkward? When always like my brother, and would I do the low part? Would I do the high part? I mean, this went through months, months of thinking this. So finally, we got ready to leave, and we're getting in the car, and we're paying. He goes, you know, I asked you about that thing. I said, yes, you did, you know. I'm feeling groovy. I'm going to take my picture. And he goes, well, this is what I want to ask you. Would you mind ironing all my shirts while we're on the trip with you? I just looked at him like, yes, 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 of course. And that's what I was praying it would be. And um, I'm just thrilled. He's married to a perfectionist, and I'm like, a, just iron what shows. Can I get a witness from somebody? Hank, Hank, Pastor Hank looked at me like, because he knew I'd iron the front part and then just put your jacket on. It'll all be good. Just don't take your jacket off. Just don't take your jacket off. I don't care if the thousands are gathering around you. Just keep that jacket on. Don't let them see the wrinkle back. I don't care if you're sweating. Just keep that jacket on. Lord, I'm telling you, that man needs a cake for everything he's put up with me. But in that, I learned that sometimes we want our influence to be used at times it's not ready for and we got to be faithful where it is used. I did end up singing duets with Keith Dudley, believe it or not. Um, and now I just laugh about it. If he'd asked me to sing a duet now, I'd hang up the phone on him. I'm like, call Carrie, really? I am not going to sing. Uh, that voice has left the ship a long time ago. But sometimes I think what we do is, and listen to me, and um, Josh, if you'll come and, and get ready, I won't have you play just yet, if you'll come get ready. Sometimes we treat the sacred as common. Listen to me. And we look at the influence that God is using us in a way as common. I know in church sometimes we're so inundated by movies. Sometimes we want like, God, dazzle me like Spielberg does. If you're going to save somebody, 
let something come out of the ceiling. If uh, someone's going to get healed, I want a little bit of, you know, um, give me some special effects, God, because we treat common what is sacred. So someone gets saved. I've not seen any of this, I promise you. I've not seen it in this church. So this is for the podcast, and I'm serious. Uh, the people we have right now, they're the best. And a prophet just recently said they're the right people to rebuild. So praise you, Jesus. Um, but it's like someone got saved. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Uh, 12 o'clock, I'm so hungry, I need a cigarette. Man, I don't, I don't know. And that's just for the smokers. I should say something else. Um, I'm so hungry, and I need a Coke. I'm so hungry, and I, and someone, Debbie's going to have to be escorted out of here. Um, no, keep laughing, Debbie. I need your laughter. This is that dream you had last night. No, keep laughing. No, keep laughing. Um, but what we do is we treat common what is sacred to God. Uzzah, the ark was being traveling. The ark was a symbol of God's glory in the old days. Now it's in us, and it was being traveled with. And Uzzah, who had grown up around it, when it went, to, it went across a threshing floor and it stumbled, and he reached to grab it. The sad thing is, all of us that have preached about Uzzah, which is not my message today, he'd grown up around it. You know, we become familiar with things. You know, our spouse says something, all we hear is, wah, 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 like Ferris Bueller, you know, his teacher, wah, 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 wah. You know, our teacher says something, we're like, no, no, I just went 17,000 places during your lecture. Come on, somebody. Because we treat, you know, I heard a man say, a lot of men travel across the country to go to a conference that they could have heard the word of the Lord if they just listened to their wife. I didn't say that. Um, but I heard that one time, and it's true. But we come familiar with things. So we don't treat it with dignity or job. Then this is familiarity breeds contempt. Everyone say contempt. Even with our influence, we can treat it as, as contempt. Josh, if I treated with contempt ironing Keith Dudley's shirts, but I did it. I did it to my best. I just realized that was the door that was open for me, Rhonda. Stop pining around and daydreaming about a door. It's not coming to you, sister. Iron the shirts. Sometimes we treat what is so sacred, and you start playing, Brother Josh, and I'm going to try to wind through this. We treat um, what is so sacred as common. What is supernatural as natural. Supernatural is things attributed to a power that goes beyond our natural law, like that's creation. Red Sea parting, feeding 5,000. Jackie being delivered from drugs. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And if we don't learn to see through the eyes of the Lord, uh, the media, there's been a recent study on social media's effect on the brain by neuroscientists who spirit field. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's fabulous and fantastic. told about years she had to reprogram your mind she's done a recent study on the gift of the holy spirit and what it does to retrain your brain um but she talks a lot about social media she believes in it but she said the sad thing is there's neuroscientists are studying how the brain is working so the constant scroll is causing our brain to pattern in a different way people can't read books the depth that keeps us from getting alzheimer's like that, the brain that has to think long, the, the part of the brain that has to focus, we're losing. I think also in our, and, and she's for social media and uses it, and I do too, but I think you should use it and not let it use you. Okay? Get you a good old book. Let's go to old school. Sit down by the river with a lemonade and read yourself a book. 
Because sometimes we dishonor and disrespect and despise. That's what content means. Familiarity. We have contempt for the things that God is doing. Israel in Psalms 106 said that Israel forgot the God their Savior who had done such great things in Egypt. Such wonderful things that people refused to enter the promised land. I got to thinking about that, Pastor Todd, and I thought if I treat with contempt my influence that God calls sacred, whatever that is, if it's cleaning that commode, I do a little bit of everything. There's not much something I don't do in this church now. It's a different day. If I'm cleaning that commode or I'm up here draining water, if I treat it with contempt, it could cause a death of the eventual power of my influence, where my influence was supposed to go. Testimonies are holy to the Lord. Don't ever grow faint of testimonies. When someone speaks their testimony and they share what God has done, that is holy. Wednesday night, there's a lot of testimonies, but you know this word is about 70% testimonies. Winded through theology. Someone's story should be sacred to you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I have influence. I have influence. I made you laugh and freaked you out a little bit. So let's move to this ending stretch. A man who greatly used his influence in 605 in Babylon's name was Daniel. Listen to me. About your influence, I want to ask you, is the culture changing you or are you changing the culture? The culture wants to change you and rename you. This culture we live in right now, it wants to change you and rename you. Or are you changing? As pastor says, are you a thermometer? Are you a thermostat? Are you adjusting to the culture? Or is the culture having to work to adjust to you? We have a window here in America. I won't get into that, but it's prophesied we have a window. We're faith-based people. Faith-based people are being fought for. We need to take the window. And we need to work in our local business. We need to be as brave as some of those that are at the top amidst many accusations and enemies go forward without fear. There was a man named Daniel. They changed his name to Belshazzar. Listen to this, which means, Lady, protect the king. Are you freaking kidding me? Lady, protect the king. You see, the gender war has been going on since that day. And these names, Hananiah, Michelle, Mishael, and Azariah, you probably don't recognize. Because that was their God-given names. But their names were changed by evil emperor in Babylon, where they were taken as prisoners to Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego. So listen to how the culture changed their name and, and ask yourself, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you affecting the culture? Is the culture affecting you? How are you holding up? Hananiah meant Yahweh has been gracious. He's a good God. Babylon changed his name to Shadrach. I am afraid of God. Mishael's name meant who is what God? But Babylon changed it to Meshach. I am despised and humiliated. Azariah's name meant Yahweh has helped us. But his name was changed to Abednego, servant of Nebo, which is a false god. The name was sign of ownership. This culture seeks to change your name. This culture seeks to change you. It wants you to compromise things that are great for things that are good. It wants you to call things that are good that are not good. They're not God things. It wants to change your conviction. It wants to tell you it's okay to dabble in this. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. But you see, God has given you and I a name that we don't even know until we stand before Him. It's in the book of Revelation. 
Someday, Jackie, he'll call you by your redeemed name, but the culture will fight to call you something else. It'll fight to change your identity. Daniel, though, did not forget, and he influenced Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He influenced. He held on to what God said about him. God said, Daniel, your name means God is my judge. I know that because Christine's name is Danielle. God is my judge. And he held on to God is my judge. So when he went against the edict of the king and he prayed toward God, when they said you can't pray towards your God, and he was thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible said, I love this, that a stone was rolled in front of the lion's den. And the king's seal was put on it so that Daniel's situation could not be changed. Let me tell you something. If the enemy has his way, Brother Josh, he will roll a stone in front of your influence so that your situation cannot be changed. He will throw everything he can so you don't walk into your influence. You don't walk into what God has for you. He will try to seal it shut and make it where it will have no effect. But I love that the Bible says that when King Darius looked down and Daniel was still alive, he said, your God has kept you alive because you trusted in him, which means he put his trust in the Lord. I believe today in your influence, no matter what comes against you, God will bring you to the other side if you put your trust in him. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. I believe there are brothers and sisters in this room listening by podcast that are like Daniel. You will sing and live the life of faith in a foreign land. You have an enemy who wants you to return to everything. He's so influenced Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, we don't know the effect we're having on people. Some people have helped me heal by just smiling at me. There's a lady in Athens, Georgia that has sent me a card every spring and fall. I don't even know who she is. I'm trying to find her now, encouraging me. She heard me preach. It just dawned on me like 30 years ago. But her words are such encouragement. Just letting someone go before you influences them. Speaking a kind word. Paul changed, I mean Barnabas changed Mark from the boy that Paul would have nothing to do to transform into the Mark that wrote part of the New Testament because he daily encouraged him. He daily, because Barnabas' name was son of encouragement. Encouragement can make something dead come alive. Encouragement can make someone who does not believe, believe. Don't ever doubt your ability to influence people by encouragement. Can you say amen? And in that moment, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they came, they didn't want to bow. You know the story. They didn't want to bow because God said you can't bow. So they stood for their faith in the midst of the culture. And just like you and I, there's a moment there you think, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, I just told my boss I wouldn't sleep with him. I'm not really going to I just told my coworker that I'm not going to steal for them. I just took my stand when everyone was talking about someone in a group of friendship and I just got up and walked out or I took their defense and there's always that waiting moment stay with me Jerry, where you don't know I'm not really sure how this is going to work out when you're doing the right thing for the right reason and that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because we know they got thrown into the everyone say the fire this is what happened in the fire is when the trial according to the book of James burns the fake out of you and you result in genuine faith. I've bought purses in my past nighttime recently, in case anyone's listening, off of people who sell them on New York streets in Chinatown. They, the Popo the police have kind of shut that down up there. 
and they no longer do that. But there's always a difference between a genuine purse and a fake purse. You'll find it. I have friends who have those like hounds. They can always find it. Faith that is genuine is genuine. It's genuine faith. And what the king saw, he saw the fourth man walking around in the... He saw the fourth man walking around in the... Say it again. Say it on this side. So you stay with me, girls. He saw the fourth man walking around in the fire. You see, sometimes the only way Jesus is going to be seen in our life is in the middle of the fire. Is in the middle of going through something we didn't want to go through. We stood our ground. We stayed there. But you see, they came out not even smelling like smoke because they trusted in the Lord. In the NIV, it says, Nepash, which means trusted. The only way not to get burnt in a fiery trial and your influence to come out greater is to trust in the Lord. But one thing I do know, without a doubt, Christine, when Jesus was walking around with the three Hebrew children in the fire, he was not saying, hey, Shadrach, hey, Meshach, hey, Abednego. No, in the fire, God speaks your name. I want to speak to people who are in the fire this morning. When you're going through a trial, you're going through a hard place. I don't believe Jesus said Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I believe he said Ananiah, Hananiah. Yahweh has been gracious to you. Yahweh has been gracious to you. He called the name that he had given them before the foundation of the world. And in the midst of the trial, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of your disappointment, God will not call you by the name, Tammy, that the world gives you. God will call you by the name that the word gives you. You are the redeemed. You are the called out ones. You are chosen. You are beloved by him. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The fire wanted you. The tribulation wanted you. Can I have five more minutes? Okay. To devour you. But God determined the time you'd be born. He determined the fire would not take you. you an addict he does not call the world calls you scarlet letter forsaken I shared with the girls when I was at Lee 36 years ago a group of Christians every day put tracks in my box I don't know why I'm going to cry about this and highlighted how I was going to hell because I was divorced they would never put their name and I'd walk to my box usually with my friends I'd get out of here crumbling up in my hand
the world may have called you a lot of things. They may have said there's no hope for your future. They may have called you too old. The world may have called you, um, you never stick to anything. You never stay with anything. You're the relapse queen. You're the late queen. You're the this queen. You'll never get anything done queen. You're the idiot queen. I dealt with a lot of things about my lack of knowledge and, and my lack of study. I didn't study growing up. But look at me now, people. Because when you get a hold of what God calls you, you're going to grow into what He said you would be. Oh, somebody praise Him one more time. When you get a hold of what He calls you to do and you grow into that legacy, Miranda. Emily, when you get into that, it doesn't matter what they've tried to put on you, baby. It doesn't matter what they've said about you. Because when you hear Him call your name, just like Lazarus came out of the grave, you're going to come out of the grave of your pity. You're going to come out of the grave of your fear. You're going to come out of the grave of your discouragement. When you hear Him call your name, somebody say amen, amen. So listen, their pain wasn't wasted. Your pain can't be wasted either. This is where I'm going to need the five minutes. Just hang with me. A man who's had such an effect on my life. His books, I've, I've even loved some past taught him, they're earmarked, they're ridiculous. Dr. Jack Deere, professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, wrote a book on the surprise by the voice of God. It is a textbook of hearing from God. It's a Baptist that got filled with the Holy Spirit radically changed. Every book he's written, I've thumbed up. Some of my greatest stories I've shared on TV and, and with people comes from his book. Gene Rabor comes from his book. I lost track of Dr. Jack Deere. I never met him, but I followed him. And uh, recently on the internet, about three months ago, he a sponsor site started coming about Jack Deere. He's like, what? And Leah, I pulled it up. And when I pulled up his site, I saw his new book, Ending the Darkness. And it tells about how his son, who got a hold of drugs in the parking lot of the church, began to get horrifically hooked. He was in and out, in and out, in and out drinking in and out his parents pastors he just kept dabbling kept dabbling he'd, he'd, he'd manipulate the police he'd manipulate the authorities he'd manipulate everybody he was in and out of the deer's house his parents until one night he said to his dad good night daddy and when he said that Jack Deere is a man of great perception when he left he thought oh spirit of the Lord it was an odd good night in a few minutes he heard a horrible sound upstairs to find that his son had shot himself. He called 911 and he prayed desperately, put his hands on his son, God, please raise him back up. This was about 20 years ago. I had no idea. About 18 years ago. I had no idea. So he's written this book about this time of darkness that he just disappeared. But when he began to get back out there because he knew the influence that God had given him, he went at eight weeks after we buried Scott, a church in Amarillo, Texas, asked that I introduce a special speaker at their services. After the service ended, I stood at the front of the church with a prayer team and I spotted someone moving toward me. I could not tell if the person was a man or a woman, a girl or a boy. The person did not have a face. Where the mouth should have been was a misshapen hole. And what once was a nose was a curve flattened against a concave surface. The blonde eyes were slit, sealed shut. A plastic tube, 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 I'll get this, protruded from a hole in the throat, a permanent tracheotomy. A pretty blonde lady was leading him. She said, I'm Michelle. This is my son, Aaron. Five years ago, at Christmas time, our family was going through a horrible time. He put a shotgun under his chin and pulled the trigger. 
the blast blew away his face. It's taking multiple surgeries to even get to where we are today. He does not believe in God. But he came down here with me because I asked him to come. Would you mind praying for Aaron? The last time Jack Deere said I laid hands on a person was my son when I held his hand and prayed over him as he slipped into eternity. And uh, I said, Aaron, my name is Jack. Would you like me to pray for you? He said, yes. I put one hand and one, one hand on his heart and one hand on his back and the power of God fell on me even though I didn't want it to. It rippled down my neck, down my back, down my legs. I knew what to pray. Aaron, I said, my 22-year-old son, Scott, pulled the trigger at Christmas, but he didn't make it. But God spared your life because he still has purposes for you if you want to fulfill them, Aaron. After prayer, his mom said, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you were the minister whose son has died. I'm so sorry I never come up here. And I said, Michelle, don't worry. You've done nothing wrong. I'm glad you came for me. God made this appointment. And Jack Deere goes on to say, you can't take your pain into eternity. There is nothing in the Bible that says your pain will exist in heaven. There is nothing in the Bible that says your pain will purchase you anything in heaven. You and I have got to use our influence for the pain we've gone through on this earth. Because in heaven, He will wipe away our tears. He will wipe away our sorrows. We will somehow remember this earth through a filter of His glory. So I'm going to tell you, He bought you with His blood. It's time for you to use your pain. It's time for you to dip in like the Bible says in Zechariah, like Ephraim. I will take Ephraim like a bent bow and I will stretch her back and I will shoot her straight against her adventure. The very thing you have come out of, God shall use you like a shot arrow, and out of your pain shall come healing, because God will not waste pain. Somebody give him praise. I'm gonna tell you something. You may wonder if you're making a difference, and I'm closing. One day there was a troops that landed on Normandy, and it looked like they were doing nothing, but they got a foot on the beachhead of Normandy and the allies worked together I can't tell that story it's one of my favorite but they began to move in on the land they began to push back Hitler's beachhead on Normandy and on that day it looked like nothing had changed but only a few days later that greatest generation that's ever lived all of a sudden there became victory in Japan victory in Europe and that frenzied demonic Hitler was taken to his death by his own hands on the day they landed on Normandy it looked like nothing happened but it was only a matter of time until victory was secured let me tell you that one day a woman gave birth to a son, a male child destined to rule. He lived and taught about the kingdom. He lived and he taught about the things. There was times in his life with a transfiguration that he soared so high that he rose upon. He healed the leper. He opened blinded eyes. He raised the dead. The multitude would press in on him and loved him, but he wasn't sure he was making a difference until that time he was walking the road to Calvary. He wasn't soaring. On his back was bruised and battered. He wasn't running. He was walking. He was young, but he stumbled and failed. Those times that life is hard, he realized sometimes the greatest thing you can do in your influence is to keep walking. Everyone say, keep walking. Because walking is enough. As long as you're moving, as long as you say, I won't quit. I'll keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'll take up my cross, Lord Jesus, and I'll follow you. Maybe God prizes us that walk when we're weary more than those that soar on eagles wings and on that day at Calvary nothing had changed Josh the curtain had been written true but Pilate still thought he was king Herod still thought he was king the world continued to go on but on that day the light
light was pushed in and the darkness was eradicated and all of mankind was saved because of the very influence of Jesus Christ. Can you give him praise? So listen to me before we pray. Every time you engage in battle, every time you resist sin, every time you proclaim the gospel when you don't feel like it and you keep at it, long after the feeling is gone of when you commit it, I could write a book out of that, my own experiences. Every time you give a cup of cold water in His name, every time you wait on the Lord and open it gets a little large, darkness does get pushed back. A little at a time, darkness gets pushed back. The light gets stronger. It's only a matter of time. Would you stand all over this building? Would you stand all over this building? If you're listening by podcast, we pray the Holy Spirit would minister to you as we enter into a private prayer time here. We pray that the words that you have heard would encourage you. You have great influence, brothers and sisters. I pray that you would walk in it. And I pray that you would thrive and be successful in Jesus' name. Now to everyone in this house right now, right where you're standing,